You're listening to The Poncho Section, conversations about all things media and Mel Brooks. It's a podcast. And here's your hosts, Michael Canfer and Ethan Feldstein. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Poncho Section. Today's a very special episode. Today, we're joined by Sean and Ant of Guildhouse Games to discuss their incredible card game, Varia. What is Varia? Well, I believe their website says it perfectly. The original first-person card game. Go head-to-head in a strategic battle using cards that represent your fighting style. Pilot a pre-construction class deck or build your own in this highly configurable card game that offers a fresh take on the genre. So, Sean and Ant, welcome to the Poncho Section. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, thank you, Michael. And, yeah. and if I if I may say something, also great announcer voice, and we may need you in the future. It sounds like yeah, anytime. <laughs> there you go. Periodically, <laughs> I have to, periodically, I have to put on my radio voice. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, guys, for having us. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, thanks, guys. How's everything going? As well as it can go, uh, given the circumstances. Um, but I'm glad that we get made it here. I know that we had a little bit of uh, back and forth. I've been trying to get on this show for what was it, like eight months? Yeah, like we had like yeah. we had something like we we had it scheduled for a while, and then this thing yeah. came up, and that thing came up, and then we had to reschedule, and then this whole crap's going on. So I'm very yeah, happy I, that we finally got I this to work. Have, I always have a weird schedule too, but it took a pandemic. To really bring us all together, right? Right. And now, <laughs> so, Guildhouse Games. How did this uh, operation come together? Oh well. Um, how much time do you have? Yeah, that's that's really the question. Is, <laughs> yeah, all the time um, in the world. So, a quick overview, I guess, would be: um, we are enthusiasts in the in the sector. Um, we go and we play a bunch of board games, card games, uh, video games, anything like that. Um, have done so since as long as I can remember. I was on a, my porch at one point as a kid, right? Not with aunt, right? But but still, well, with with a group of friends and some cousins and and, and uh, some family members, um, and we would pass around. We had one Game Boy between the, the the whole group, and we would literally sit on the porch and we would sneak the Game Boy out because we had certain hours that were designated video game hours, and then other than that, you had to like do other things and we'd sneak the game boy out in our pocket and pass it around and another person would carry extra batteries so that mm-hmm. we would be outside with that but anyway digressing <laughs> um this this whole love kind of uh, melded in and i i actually met aunt in college um and we went to villanova together uh and okay. i ended up being the head ra of one of the buildings there and aunt was one of my ras and i found out that him and me had the same mutual love of, of card game, board game, video games. Um, and uh, we, we kind of met up afterward at his Contra Hawken um, place, and uh, he demoed a game which was very much like, like the 52-card war game, right, mm-hmm. with a few caveats to it, um, that would eventually evolve through, I think I counted the other day, five or six iterations until eventually yeah, became Varia. Yeah, it was... <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, so. basically, basically, I so so to to kind of give my my quick and dirty version. Um, growing up, I was like a huge gamer, especially like tabletop stuff. I loved Magic D anD D, basically <laughs> any fantasy product I could get my hands on. Um, unfortunately, where I grew up, it wasn't super popular, like video games or tabletop games. 
So I used to go visit my uh, cousin a lot and uh, he had a circle of friends who loved D&D especially. So we would all play D&D together. Um, one of the things that we used to do was um, in between sessions when I was you know, two hours away at home is we would take our characters and we would fight each other um, over AOL Instant Messenger. Oh, right. Yes. So we would say like my <laughs> druid would fight, you know, my cousin's rogue. Then my cousin's rogue would fight like the wizard in the party. And we would just kind of see like it was like a fight club. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and so ever since then, which, oh my God, I was like 12 or 11 at the time. I always wanted there to be an easier way to kind of facilitate that style of gaming. Like I create a character, you create a character and then we fight and we just kind of see who comes out on top. Um, it wasn't until much later after I had met Sean, um, he, he had a similar um, love for like game design specifically. So he and I would have like these long conversations just about, you know, game design and whatever. Um, and then one day I was, I was actually, I was on our porch with my wife, we were playing war and we were going back and forth and and it just hit me. I was like, "This is a one v one fight, basically, sure. and it's like most right. simple form." And so, uh, I created that first demo, showed it to Sean. Sean's like, "Yeah, there's definitely something here. Like, let's kind of work on it and see where it goes." Uh, he and I worked on it for like a long time. Did numerous uh, demos to like friends, family, you know, just like took their feedback, reiterated again and again and again, and then ultimately we arrived at uh, Varia, yeah. right? And um, so once we felt like we had, you know, a product worth selling, then from there it was just, you know, let's start a company and, and do it. Um, and so that's kind of where we are now. That's wild that it, like, yeah. it evolved over so long uh, of time. That's really incredible. And it's funny you guys <laughs> describing your versions of this because like the, the whole thing with passing around the Game Boy and with, and with talking about this over AOL Instant Messenger, this is kind of like the equivalent of maybe like our grandparents' generation, like walking 10 miles to school or something. Like we had to pass around one Game Boy. <laughs> right, we used this right. thing called AOL Instant Messenger. It's just so funny to me. Right. But, um, I was always more a Pigeon fan. I know that no yeah. one used that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's wild. Pigeon, yeah. I don't remember that actually. It, yeah. it, it was it was a client for AOL, but it also had MSN and it had all these other oh, yeah. groups tied in. But it was it was terrible looking. The the interface was like <laughs> abysmal. Right. Oh, but what the kids don't know what we went through. Yeah. No, it was just that yeah, that's so funny to me. But um but that's so interesting how you're taking, you know, classic card games like war and really kind of just, you know, it's really just I mean, you guys are both really creative people and to just kind of use that and be like, how can we build off of this, you know, stuff that we grew up with, right? And, you know, and kind of, and, and you made it into your own thing. That's, that's really something. Part of it's like filling a void too. Like, yeah. um, as Sean said, like he and I are huge game enthusiasts, especially card games. Like if it's a trading card game, he and I have played it. Right. Right. And one thing that always kind of stood out to us was that like, um, you know, card games are, are really two things. One, it's like resource management most of the time. Like you have the slew of stuff like out on the table, like different minions and, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like playing an RTS. Like you're the general and you're controlling like what all these different things do. 
right? And yeah. you order like, okay, minions attack or whatever, right? Um, and a lot of card games are similar in that way. And so one of the things that we were looking for was like, how do we make me, the player, feel like the star of the show? Like where I'm the one punching you, not mm. me telling a goblin to punch you. Like, I don't want a middleman. I want to run right. up with my axe and cut you in half. Like, how, <laughs> right. how do we do that? Yeah. You know? And so that was like kind of the f- one half of like our kind of design conversations that we would have is like, you know, what would a game like that look like? How would it play? You know, and it was really playing war at with my wife like i said that it was like a light went off i was like oh my god like this is it because it's really fast it's back and forth you know and it feels like punches almost um the other thing that we always kind of tried to figure out was like when we're playing these card games like what am i doing while you're you know summoning monsters and healing yourself and like just while you're taking your turn like what am i doing (laughs) like am i just standing there like when you shoot lightning at me do i just take it in the face and then it's my turn you know so like in having those conversations we realize that a lot of card games follow if you think about like old video games like turn-based games on the game Mm -hmm. boy like pokemon golden sun old final fantasy games right Mm -hmm. they're all turn-based and so we were like, how do we create a card game that isn't turn-based? Like, what's that yeah. next evolution, you know? Like, and so we kind of took those two ideas of let's make the player the star yeah. and let's figure out a system where it's not turn-based. Like, while I'm punching you, you get to make the decision, like, block, dodge, or punch back, you know? And okay. we just kind of built from there. That was really, like, the foundation of the idea and then it was just a matter of finding a way to deliver on that basically yeah that's a smart way to to go about it because i definitely remember those turn-based games growing up Mm -hmm. and it is a funny concept to think about like yeah why is this dude just standing here taking this waiting for his turn right so yeah and i love how you used the word it's like the evolution of of those type of games it's the next yeah. step yeah. and there's like nothing a... wrong with those games like oh, they're sure. great i love yeah. going back like there's nothing better than going back to like pokemon gold yeah right or right. and just like whipping that out or whatever but at the same time it's like i can i can remember when like tales of symphonia came out for the gamecube and me and my brother are playing it and we're playing it at the same time and we're doing these things in like real time but you could also like pause the game and like access the menu. So it was like a good little meld between like turn-based and like an action RPG. And we're just like, like, what is this? Like, this is the coolest game ever because there's like, like battles were fast. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. like action packed, like stuff's animated and like, you know, I'm attacking this thing, but then all of a sudden my wizard dies. And I was like, when did that happen? Like, Oh, this character snuck around the back. Sure. And like, like it just made everything, I don't know. It felt cooler. And then when we would go back to like turn-based games, it's almost like if you play Call of Duty and then you go back to play Goldeneye, you're like, how did I ever play this? Like, right. what, like what is this game? Totally. You know? And so like we kind of think of it in that same vein. It's like we're trying to push forward into this new area of like 
you know, card games that aren't turn-based mm-hmm. and like it's faster and you really have to pay attention. And like, you know, you don't have time to like go get, you know, a soda and a drink and come back. Cause like right. you have, you're there, like you're being punched, like you have to make decisions. Um, and then if you go back to a different game, you might find like, wow, this is like super slow by comparison. Sure. You know? Yeah. Oh, um, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because you go back and you're like, what's going on? This is too slow. I got to right. like, <laughs> we got to ramp up. We got to like ramp things up here and really get the action going. That's, that's really, that's really, that's something like I would have never thought about. So that's cool. That that's something that when you guys were looking at this, like, what can we, what can we really, I guess, improve on, you know? And, right, um, right, exactly. Because the last thing we wanted to do is just make yet another, like, summon a bunch of minions and right like, you know because they they exist already and they're better like hearthstone's yeah. better like <laughs> magic is king like legends right. of the rune terra is like all like they're all doing that already mm-hmm. right like so why would all... we try to do that too it doesn't make any sense Definitely. right and they're all inspirations you know like, That's right absolutely yeah yeah and speaking they're on... fantastic at what they're trying to do right like we're trying totally. to do something different definitely so, right speaking on inspiration so i definitely notice uh absolutely noticed some D and D aspects to it. Roll for attack focus, uh, roll for damage mm-hmm. power. Um, were, what were like some of the other types of games that you felt uh, you needed to bring into this type of world? So um, yeah, definitely there's, there's inspirations taken from, from a lot of those type of games that you're, you're naming. Um, one of the things that I always wanted to do and something that we talked about uh, extensively, I remember uh, having this conversation with ants and in a, a small group setting that we had, had put together to try to understand what people liked in games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I had gone and said, well, I want to be able to, to, to faint. And then the person, I think it was ant said, I want to double faint. <laughs> right. And so then we, we had this like whole thing about like a uh, dreaded double faint, we called it. But yeah. um, the the games that that inspired that um, were all over the place. It didn't have to be just card games, right? You know, it didn't have to be just you know role playing fantasy elements from from D anD D, from Pathfinder, from anything like that. Um, we we took kind of a an approach as to these games. We took an approach to what we had seen on um, you know Skyrim. Even like I, I know that 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 sounds crazy. Um, cause it's in no way, shape or form the same thing, but, um, it, it, it still helped mold because we're like, well, we want to have this, this item from Skyrim. We want to have this, this element that they did really well and we want to port it over. Um, and so sneak, right. And that's why I get to dreaded double faint, this whole idea of sneak and this whole idea of being seedy about something. Um, and if you talk to him, he's a huge, um, when when we talked to him over here, he's a huge Dark Brotherhood guy, right? So nice. so the the yeah, that's that's yeah. his thing. I remember he told me a story one time of he he sat on a rooftop. Um, how long was oh it? Oh my god! Okay, yeah, sorry, little tangent. All right, <laughs> no, so Sean, this is so Sean and I just you can get an idea of like the kind of gamers that we are when we approach a game like mm-hmm. Skyrim, for example. Sean will go strength and aggression. And put on like full plate armor, have a two hander, and just run through everything and decapitate everyone, right? Like, and have a block. All a strategy, I think. And so, like, when he <laughs> was playing Skyrim, he went that path, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when I play a game, I really like the kind of like stealth assassin, like slower pace, the sniper, like where I'm like 
very uh, strategically picking my battles and approaching the battlefield, like having totally analyzed everything that I possibly can to come in at the most perfect angle. Like, I love that kind of like metagame before the attack. Mm-hmm. Right. And so one time I was over at his house and I was telling him about how I was like, oh, yeah, I was playing Skyrim the other night and I was uh, stalking this person that I needed to kill. And so I sat on their roof. Uh, my character was a vampire, right? Like mm-hmm. I'd contracted vampirism and I was sitting on the roof and I sat there for uh, a full week game time. And I just watched how this NPC would kind of like go about their week. And I noticed that on every um, Monday and Thursday, they would go out to the river to get like water. And mm-hmm. when they went out to the river, they were behind a, a little crop of trees. And on Thursday, their, um, whoever was with them, the NPC that was with them, wouldn't go with them. So like one on Tuesday, they would go out as a group, but on Thursday, he would go by himself. And so now that I had all that information, I switched and I went out to the crop of trees on Thursday and I hid there and I just waited and the guy came out and he went to get his water and I snuck out, sneak attacked him. He died. His body fell in the river and drifted away. And then I, you know, mission complete. And I went on with my day and like, I didn't have to do that. Like Skyrim doesn't require you to do that, but it like, I enjoyed experiencing that narrative for myself yeah. and so i was explaining all this to sean he was like what are you talking dude we're not even playing the same game like what are you <laughs> talking about it was not <laughs> and so then like i you know i lo- loaded up my character and i showed him how like my character is all about like i'm in the shadows and i would pop out i would kill somebody at a campfire i would flip back into the shadows that guy's like that guy's friend would come and be like what happened here and that whole classic like oh it must have been the wind yeah, like yeah. that skyrim lyric <laughs> yeah or um and and sean's like dude i had no idea you could do any of this in in this game like <laughs> i've never played it that way yeah no but... 100 100 diverging 100 i am the opposite i would go in i would immediately first off the the mod i preferred right for skyrim was i talked to all the the followers get as many followers as you can i would get mm-hmm. a bunch of followers put on the plate armor um get as as beefed up as i can grab a two-hander and say now all my followers charge and just decimate whatever it is. But wasting getting, no time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I am cut and dry to the point. Let's do this. Let's charge forward. And I got my mission done. Had I gone to that same house, I would have probably gone with a huge army of followers, just tried to light it on fire or like just decapitate <laughs> the person and just mission to cleat. Like hands yeah. done, gone. But I heard this from Ant and I was like, you know, what this is this is absurd this is um and and he's like no that's what i like to do and so we we got into this thing of how seedy can you be in varia like how how can we Mm -hmm. get that in there and so even beyond that like really what it led to was just the concept of choice like yeah Yeah. we we like we didn't sit down to make a game we sat down to make a system Hmm. yeah and like that's very important like we created a combat system where if you want to go the route of the aggressive decapitator, you can. If you want to go the route of a like dodging, you know, kind of like seedy assassin, you can. If you want to go down like a long game self-healing paladin, you can. But like at the core of it is a combat system, much like Skyrim, right? Skyrim has its core and everything kind of works 
in a certain way. And then depending on how you play that system, you get very different narratives. Right. Yeah. And so like, that's really what we kind of like sat down to, to make and like to speak to like your original question on like, um, you know, what inspired us, like absolutely D and D was like an inspiration, but, um, and other like RPGs. Right. Cause we had that, like once we were like, okay, what are we trying to accomplish? Like, Oh, decapitating like how would that work we would mm-hmm. think about like well how does it work in other games and like you know how does that translate to the system that we've made mm-hmm. like those type of type of conversations but um really what we did was we just like a lot of our uh designing like anytime we work on a game comes from meeting a narrative and so like we sat down and we're like okay what do we want to do like i want to be able to punch you okay cool mm-hmm. so that's like step one then step two is like, what now that you're trying to punch me, like, what should I be able to do? Well, I want to be able to dodge. I want to be able to block. I want those two things to feel very different and distinct. Mm-hmm. And then my third thing is I want to be able to attack you back if I, if I want to. And so we're like, okay, how does that work? And we would play test and figure that little thing out. And then the next question was like, cool. Like that kind of seems like it's working. Um, now, how do to Sean's point, how do I change my mind? Mm-hmm. What if I'm mid punch and I want to pull back and do something else? And that's where we had this like huge conversation on like, well, you know, we'll call that a faint. Like, oh, what if I want to faint and then faint again and like really try to fake you out? Almost like boxers. Like we took a lot of uh, inspiration from like MMA fighting. <laughs> yeah. How you can like go in and like you want to do like two lefts, but then fake a kick and actually punch, you yeah. know, like that kind of. So like fake someone out. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. We wanted you to feel like you had total agency mm-hmm. over how you're approaching fighting. I was gonna I was gonna tell that exact same story as um, so yeah um, not only do we have inspiration um, from from games other than card games right and 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 role playing games but we have you know video games but we also have real life stuff stuff sports for example um, I was left um, I was not invited to the rehearsal dinner for um, my cousin's uh, wedding which totally fine a Angela if you're listening. That was the best decision you've made because I, <laughs> I, I know you forgot. I and I, you know, it, it is nothing out that. But I was able to for like four hours sit in the hotel while the entire rest of the family was out. Right, um, and I was able to go and study a boxing match. And I remember I put together a PowerPoint um, regarding how boxing could influence our system that we were designing, <laughs> and. Mm-hmm. And like that really, those type of things, inspiration comes not only from games, but it comes from real life. And and like that, that was one of the things I looked at. I took, um, uh, actually for the thing, I I put Muhammad Ali versus McGregor at the time. um, And I was just like, what would happen if these two guys went at it? Like, how would they approach it? Um, And so... yeah and then right. i, I then it's like now let's give them the swords. options <laughs> yeah. no, that's 100 percent it yeah. <laughs> right what if one of them can shoot fire yeah. you know um oh but God. like once we had that then then the last kind of like wrinkle was like okay we don't want them to feel like rock'em sock'em robots where they just kind of stand there and like yeah and the head, head pops up yeah you know? <laughs> so we were like how do we create movement in a way that makes sense so that when I have a bow and I'm shooting at you or if I'm a wizard and I'm shooting fire at you or whatever, mm-hmm. that, that feels different 
than if I'm up close trying to punch you in the face. Right. And right. like the we we have this in in our game we have this concept in in Varia of distance via like engage being engaged or disengaged, right? So it's just a way of tracking like am I standing next to you or am I far away from you? Um but really the thing that kind of inspired that was uh so I was really big in the Dark Souls. Mm. Uh, Dark Souls 3 at the time and P- the PVP scene and the way that it would work is you like you would find your character that you were trying to kill and like you would both lock on almost like if you ever played Zelda or like you had any game with like Z targeting sure. yeah um you would like lock on to each other and you do this dance where like you'd both be moving right so you're both like making a circle basically yeah and you would kind of like walk in and out and and kind of like try to judge your distance and your relative distance of like the hitbox of your weapon right mm-hmm. to figure out like how do i close the gap between me and my opponent who is a mage and they're shooting stuff at me and i'm dodging right mm-hmm. like how do i using a two-hander close that gap in a meaningful way so that i can get a hit in before they try to like roll backwards mm-hmm. and ultimately like if you plot out those movements if you if you take away the kind of like moving right and left because really like if i'm moving right and you're also moving right like we're just constantly looking at each other yeah so really the only movement there is forwards and backwards right and so ultimately that's how we landed on we're like what if we can like engage each other or disengage and create that kind of like a dance where like if you try to attack me i can backflip and cause you to whiff you know right and like we took those three things basically and just merged them into like one system and once we had that system then it became so much easier to say like okay how do we decapitate oh here's how we do that how do we be a like a sneaky rogue here's how we do that how do we be a druid well here you go yeah like that was so much easier because the system worked Mm -hmm. like the core was working and i would imagine that uh being able to like flip and disengage would affect the future moves of the your opponent so if they had planned they were gonna slash you uh on their third turn well you're not even in their realm anymore you've you've moved away so they may have to adapt or whatever or they may not. Yeah, so that was Sean, that was Sean's brainchild. That was like one of the genius things that he came up with was this concept of we call it the timeline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and basically when you plan out like certain actions, you you do so in time. So like if I'm going to say like I'm going to punch punch kick, let's say, yeah. right? Okay. Each of those actions takes place in time, right? Like I'm not doing all three at once. I'm doing mm-hmm. one, then the next, then the next. And right. so once we started thinking of like his idea, which like I give him total credit for, was he was like, what if each card represented a moment in time? Mm-hmm. So like if I have three cards in my hand, punch, punch, kick, when I lay them out, I lay them out in the order I'm going to do them. So that that way, if I backflip in response to the first punch, then your next punch and your kick will miss right to your point because it'll track the fact that i've moved away from you Mm -hmm. and and so like that was a game changer like as soon as he said that and we play tested i was like dude this is it like this is so cool because now like you could we could do exact 
exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. Like we could flip backwards, cause the opponent to miss, and then you know fire off a couple shots or something. Right. Or do the opposite. Right. Like if somebody's like walking at safety and they feel like they're safe, we could jump forward and just like right. wreck them. Sure. Yeah, no, that's right, yeah. that's pretty wild. I love how you guys are saying it's a combination of like playtesting of of using uh, inspirations from uh, other games that you like, but also real world uh, experiences. What I'm curious, I want to like curious as to your thoughts is like, what is it about these type of games that's so intriguing for people? Like. Um, you guys stated on your website that you're looking for like this immersion. You want people to feel like they're the powerful wizard or the mighty warrior. Yeah. So, so if I, I can start this off and an ant, I'm going to, I know that you have a whole ton on this, um, but I, I love the, the mantra that we have, which is uh, story driven uh, player focused. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things I really love um, is, is story. Like I, I, I don't want to say that it, it has to be, you know, cut and dry, but that immersion, that ability to, to take yourself out of, of a position whereby it is um, doing the action is, is really that, that first person experience. And that third person experience, it's great for the general as we were talking to earlier, but I lose something as, as a, a visceral uh, event that's going on within me. And I lose that feeling of interacting um, on on those on the level that you can interact with, say with D and D, you can interact one on one. You can do CD things. You can do things on the side. You can imagine yourself in a position, um, and your opponent can imagine the same position ever so slightly different because they have the same um, visuals, but they can see it in their mind's eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that idea of of having a mind's eye that is is perpetuating a, a shared story. Um, and is continuing that story uh, in a very you-centric, you being Y-O-U, I don't know if it's, you know, self-centric, I guess is a better term, but a self-centric way, so that way you can see yourself being part of this this narrative. Um, and I, I don't know if that fully answers what you're going after, because I might have just lost myself in, in one of my tangents that I tend to go on. That's um, totally fine. <laughs> but um, the narrative, the story-driven stuff is like, I, I, I personally, I buy games for the story. I don't buy games like, um, I, so I, I, I will say this. There are popular um, shooters out there right now that um, have been, you know, in the scene for quite some time. And I obviously recognize that they are in prominence, right? Um, but if they don't have a story to them, the only good thing that they can be for me is then a chess match, mm-hmm. And I, I, I only want to have one chess. I, I don't want to have, you know, three, four knockoffs of chess. I just want one strong chess game. But if I have a story, I can have one to a bajillion stories, and they're all telling a different narrative, and each of them mm-hmm. captures me differently. And so I, I can enjoy each of them differently. Sure. Yeah. I think, so just like to kind of add on to that, like – from a from just like a pure game design standpoint um i'm i'm a f- uh, so i the i think the the medium of game design is like still very new and fresh right and there's a lot of opportunity there to kind of um basically 
take what you're doing, like the inputs that you're giving to the game and marrying them up to uh, a narrative, right? We use the word narrative a lot, like when we're talking, Sean and I, but the idea is like, um, if you present the player with mechanics that match what it is that you're telling them that they're doing, like in the story, then it creates this uh, kind of like deeper immersive experience that I think is different from any other type of media that we have, right? It's different than movies. It's different than TV. It's different than comic books. Mm -hmm. Like it's like when I sit down and I play a game where, um, cause really it's all numbers, right? And it's math and it's like, Oh, like you rolled a four and I rolled a two. And so like my attack misses Mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. But when the mechanics line up in such a way that you almost can infer how the game works because they are so close to the narrative that's being told. Like if I give you a card and I say, Hey, this card is flavored to be a dodge, right? When you play that card, if when you play it, it, it actually through the mechanics feels like you're dodging, then like, I think that's where games are at their best. Because not only are you getting to experience this fun system that makes you think and, you know, maybe makes you like problem solve in a different way or like use math in a different way, but uh, it's also kind of like sucking you into a story, whether you even know it or not, you know, like, so we use the real world inspiration purposefully so that when we're sitting there and we're playing this game, we're like, hey, what is it that we're trying to capture Uh, well i want the player to feel like you know their mind is cloudy okay how do i do that well what if we fill their deck with a bunch of nonsense cards that are blank Hmm. now as they're drawing cards from their deck they just have like nonsense in their hand like literal nonsense so they're experiencing this feeling of like wow my hand is flooded with nothing you know i'm having trouble thinking of what to do Right. And so you're experiencing the story rather than us just telling you like, oh, yeah, your character is like having trouble thinking. Right. Like, OK, cool. Like, No, yeah. you're literally having trouble playing the game because your character is having trouble thinking. That's wild. You know, right. and so like we always try to approach our game design from that angle of, you know, what is it that we're, what are we trying to tell? Mm-hmm. Like, what's mm-hmm. the story and how do we represent that mechanically? Or if we come up with a really good mechanical, just something fun, like we might come up with a mechanic where we're like, this is just cool for the game. Yeah. Like it's just a fun thing to do. Then mm-hmm. we'll sit down and have a conversation for hours where we're like, what is the perfect um, narrative representation of this mechanic? Mm-hmm. That's that's a very good way to put it. Real quick to tag on to that. Yeah. To give you an idea, um, many of our play tests for up and coming product um, we don't go and um, immediately put art to it. We instead go and kind of just draw a stick figure. Someone, I should say, draws a stick figure, cough, cough, ant. Um, <laughs> but what ends up happening is it's just a stick figure. And it's it's kind of in a general pose, right? It's not doing uh, the, the thing really well. Like you can't visualize it really well. But it's just enough so that way what happens is with the mechanics that are on the card, um, 
there's always a question we ask when, when designing a deck. Um, and it's, did you feel like anything? Did you feel like X? Did you feel like Y? Did you feel like this character? Um, what did you feel like? And that right. feeling is, is, is like, what we are shooting for. We're shooting for the narrative rather than the mechanic. Yeah. We might stumble upon an awesome mechanic and talk about it, but for the 90% of the time, 95% of the time, I'd even hazard um, you're shooting for a narrative, something to make people feel the way they want to feel through studies or whatever, however you want to have input come into it um, or how we would feel, you know, how we'd want to feel and then letting them perform that in a way that the mechanics match that feeling kind of like those old books, you know, those old choose your own adventure books. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's, it's always, it's always a balance because it's like, and that stems back to what we were talking about before with Skyrim, right? Like it's one thing to say, like, did you feel like an assassin, right? Mm -hmm. Like, did I give you the proper tools where you felt like an assassin, right? That's like hurdle number one. Mm -hmm. And if they say like, yeah, I did. I, I feel like I felt like an assassin. Cool. Okay. Did you have fun? right right which like that's a whole different <laughs> hurdle right because like, yeah. if i'm yeah. i'm a player who really likes being an assassin right mm-hmm. i could tell you like yeah you you accomplished your goal like i felt sneaky and i felt like an assassin but if it felt like a ton of work or mm-hmm. like if i didn't feel like it was worth the energy or like you know if it was just like not a fun experience then it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. if the narrative is right. good yeah. right yeah. so then um that those are always like our two principal questions like we do a play test and we're like did you feel like a warrior like yeah cool all mm-hmm. right did you have did you have fun like yeah i had fun like okay then then we're cool. right like we've accomplished our goal you know to, to, to also just so you know not we don't always knock it out of the park right and oh i want to i want to play a I wanna... lot of bad varia so that yeah. you guys can play good varia sure. like that's... yes <laughs> and and i remember we we did a play test i think it was 2015 i have to go double check my notes he was there 2015 or 2016 with a group we, we did we do small grouping play tests right um like uh, sub sub 60 mm-hmm. right people mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll pull in um and on this group it was really tiny i think it was like around 10 individuals um and we had at the time a a bard and we had one of the players playing the bard and we 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 immediately had to before the next player got it like because the next player who was going to get the bard as a trial out we pulled it we said no just have have this other character and the reason why we did that is because the first character went and she, she goes and she said to us i feel like i'm playing notes but this is like, this isn't fun. This isn't at all fun. And because uh, she goes, I'm like, there's too much movement going on. There's too much tracking going on. There's too much other stuff that's cluttering down my fun level. I understand mm-hmm. what I'm doing. I'm playing notes to make a song to go and do some of that uh, effect. But right. I'm not having fun. And and the guy who looked, who was the next person in, in, in line to kind of like get the deck and trial it out with another user goes and he's like i don't want that and yeah, we just right. like, who you wants know to do that right, right. we're pulling right. it we're pulling it right off and and we're going to give those two something that maybe you know we can get feedback from another one because it was it was a lot of tracking and and to that end fun is definitely something you have to have for mm-hmm. for it to come through so yeah of course it, it's cool it sounds like you guys really you focus so much on getting everyone immersed as much as possible and it, it sort of reminds me of like that that thing that they um that writers will tell you where it's that it's the show don't tell. Yeah. Where like when you're reading something and you really yeah, you yeah. wanna 
you want to be engaged as much as possible. You don't want it to just be, I mean, just be like words on a page, but it's like, right. I can see like similarities there. And, yeah. and with the amount of like testing you're doing with these groups, I mean, that really helps like see, you know, see what works and what doesn't, you know, that's really oh, Playtesting is by far the most valuable thing that we do as a company. Yeah. One hundred percent. Whether it's Sean and I playing against each other, or or even better when we can involve a third party, mm-hmm. because they give us like a they're totally divorced from the process, right? And so they right. come in fresh. They're they are our customer basically because, like, if you pick up a game off the shelf for the first time, you go in blind, right? You're like, mm-hmm. I have no idea how this works. Like, so we get to ask questions like, did you feel overwhelmed? Like were you happy with this experience? Did you feel like the hour that you just spent, like, do you want that hour back? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And like, the, those are all kind of things that like, when, when you sit down, like, and you have this idea of like, I'm going to design a game, you know? And like, mm-hmm. those are never the things that you think about. <laughs> you always think about like, yeah. oh, I'm going to make this like cool, like this character, they're going to have all these like awesome moves and they're going to do all this stuff and like, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's, that's like, that's great and and those kind of flashy things like are what help you sell right because you see the trailer video and you're like i want to do that like i want to be those characters right but behind all of that is like a slew of work of just like figuring out like finding the fun we call it like finding the fun right Mm -hmm. so like finding the fun uh creating the correct narrative like uh making sure that that the player isn't bogged down and distracted by the things that we don't want them to be distracted about like to sean's point like yeah it's cool if i'm tracking all these like notes and stuff i'm like oh i've 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 linked together seven notes and so i've made uh you know two chords and that's a song and like yeah yeah, that's cool and it feels and sounds like a bard but it's just like i don't want to do that for two hours (laughs) while the kid across from me is like i rolled a 20 and i deal infinite damage and (laughs) capitate you're like what (laughs) yeah okay you know (laughs) right like why did i even try to make this song you know like it has to feel worth the effort yeah well it's all you know it's always with anything it's always important to get feedback from the audience and i'm just thinking like i guess the most recent example was like in that um when the trailer for the sonic the hedgehog movie you guys remember when that came out yeah (laughs) and who knows and who knows what they were thinking like in the cutting room be like oh this will be great and maybe there was one guy who saw him was like, you know, I don't know about these teeth. And, <laughs> Is he even playing? And then, yeah, like, and he's like, no, no, people will love it. And then the trailer comes out and it gets completely slammed. And they have to go back to the drawing board and they're like, all right, we need to, we need to rework this. We need to fix this. To their I mean, that's credit, an extreme example. Yeah. To like, their credit, though, yeah. they did that. Yeah. They did. No, they, they, they went, absolutely. They took the feedback. They absolutely. went back. Mm-hmm. They didn't just release it and say like, "Nah, you'll like it." Yeah, yeah. no, you'll you'll get used to it. Right, Don't worry. Right. <laughs> they, they, there was a vocal like outlash, and they were like, right. "Whoa, we did something wrong." Right, like, right, and yeah. and they just they they gave us what we wanted, and we're like, "Okay, cool. Now this makes sense. Like, now Sonic right. is on the screen. I'm immersed in this movie. I'm not distracted yeah. by how weird." The exactly. Looks, yeah, just from the story. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. They could focus on the story rather than get lost in like weird details. And that's like, we do that all the time. It's like, rather than get lost in the details, we want you to just be playing and be like, oh, that was blah, 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 like, oh, cool. And then later you start thinking like, man, I really felt like a bard. Like, that was kind of cool. Yeah, you know? leaving there being like, oh, that was great. I want to do that yeah. again. 
you know, right. that's, that's you right. Want. If at the end of the game, if you ask that question, like, do you want to play again? And they say no, mm-hmm. like, right. like that's a death knell right there. Like we got to do something mm-hmm. else, you know. Do you guys have right, um, favorite classes to play as? <laughs> Aunt, you can go first on this one. I think everyone sure. knows this one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So my, my favorite of the seven classes is the Shadow Assassin. <laughs> um, but I also, I really like our sixth blade mm. for, totally, for a totally different reason. So, like, Shadow Assassin for me feels like what I just like normally in games, like that need to be like the crafty kind of like in the shadows character who like, if you make a wrong move and I'm constantly watching what you're doing and like gauging what you're playing. And as soon as you slip up, I'm just going to kill you. Yeah. Like I'm going to come out of the shadows and you're toast. And the shadow assassin deck really gives me the tools that allow me to play that way. Um, But I think that, as we developed Vario, we created essentially a, a combat system using trading cards. And the sixth blade allows me to, as a player, use that system to like the best of its ability almost. And so just from like a pure mechanic standpoint i think that the six blade is the most fun for me because every single time i play that deck i learn something new about the game that we made <laughs> that i like i didn't even recognize before i'm like i didn't even know this was possible like that i could do this stuff and it like every time i open that deck it's like a new experience that's awesome all over again like i'm just i'm yeah. constantly learning like like wait, I, I can do this? Like, I can combine these in this way and, like, I can fake my opponent out and, like, bash him in the face with my shield? Like, what? <laughs> like, it's it's crazy. Like, and so those are really my two. Yeah. Like, they're my go-to decks anytime that I, anytime that I play. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, on my end, so everything in my gut says I should go for the guy who's got the plate mail, right? <laughs> the, 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 the paladin, right? Our, 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 but what ends up happening is the divine paladin... Um, I, I, I tend to, while I like the imagery that's being portrayed, I tend to be, when I play card games, very, um, mechanically focused and I become, I become a spike in some cases. I'll say it like that. Um, and I like these, Sounds like, very competitive. I'm yeah. <laughs> and I, I've tried over the years to divorce myself from that. I've, I've, I've gone away and I've tried to go and be like, oh yeah, because it gets to a point if you get to that point where you're super competitive, and I learned this in high school, you know, you you end up dumping A a ton of money, and then B, what ends up happening is you end up losing the the group's interest in playing mm. with you. Like yes. it, 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 no one wants to play with the guy who's gonna just murder them instantly and be like, I was efficient at my job. <laughs> Thank you very much. Right. You know, um, so so I, I tend to to go and like these days um more story driven characters but i have that desire to play things like um the death pirate Mm. or the cosmic mage and those two i would say honestly the death pirate is probably my favorite class period and then what ends up happening is the other two the the divine paladin and cosmic mage are kind of tied for a close second but the death pirate is um able to give me that feeling of i have the um flexibility to really respond to everything and kind of just 
be annoying. Um, and that's something that really a, a, a person who likes mechanics, who likes to be kind of control based, um, likes, and that's in my gut. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not strong. It's like not so strong that it's going to be hands down. I'm going to beat you every time. It, it doesn't have that ability. Um, so it's the mechanics lead me to feel like I should have that ability. And I really like that. Mm. So I'm going to go and give it to the death pirate with a very close second to the paladin slash cosmic mage. Very cool. So let me ask this question uh, for you guys, like of the seven, like which one jumps out at you the most? Um, like if you saw them on a shelf, like what, what was the, what was the one that you would like gravitate towards? Ooh, that's a, that's an interesting question. Cause artwork wise that I noticed the, um, and I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm getting this wrong. The intellect cards had, okay. uh, yeah, okay. cosmic mage. Maybe that's what it was. It had, the, had alternate timeline, reality ripple, cosmic yes. denial, yeah. continuum. Cosmic play. mage. That was, I was drawn to those just pictures, the artwork, like gorgeous. I could stare I, at those all day, loved it. Yeah. So there was something about that that's drawn to me, but also I, it's funny because I like the assassin stuff. It's, it was really funny hearing you guys describe your two different Skyrim play styles because I feel like I try to do what Ant does. <laughs> And then I'm like, all right, let's do this. And it ends up becoming just like, oh, no, everything went wrong. Just kill everybody. Kill everybody. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, that's, it, it's so admirable what you do, but I just I wouldn't have the patience for it. I would go about it the way Sean does and just be like, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting my team like together. That. And then <laughs> and we're, we're going in. We're, we're just going to light this shit up. So I, I like that style. <laughs> but. You'd probably like the volcanic warrior then. Yeah, that, yeah. That, like that deck has decap. Like I, I've mentioned, like decapitate. We had this conversation a lot, yeah. um, Sean and I, because we like when we were, we did one of our really early play tests, and I just threw this kind of like one-off card into the play test. Like didn't really think about it. Uh, it was more meant to just be like a joke, um, yeah. and and the card it was nothing. It was just an attack, mm-hmm. and it had this one little rule. It said roll a d twenty. If you get a 20, you win. And I just named it Decapitate, right? And yeah. I thought, this is never going to happen. It's just, it was like a joke for our play testers, right? right? And so we had a play test. And sure enough, this, uh, I forget who it was now, but they, they drew, turn one, they drew it. They played it. They said, I need a D20. So I gave them a D20. <laughs> they rolled it. They hit a 20. And they went, I win. Yeah. And first turn. <laughs> And I was like, and the and the other player was like, you can do that? And I was like, yeah, I guess. Like, yeah, I guess. And, oh, and so good. like that response, it was such a visceral response that happened. Like our two players, yeah. they were both kind of like in shock. Yeah. And so then the person who did it, like they, they were like, I won. I got one on the first turn, like blah, blah, blah. Other players were like, what? How'd you do that? And they're like, oh, decapitate, blah, blah, blah. And it just created like a buzz. Yeah. Like yeah. our playtest had a buzz where people were like, they were either on the receiving end and they were just like scared of it. And they were like mm-hmm. waiting, like, Oh, like when's the capitate going to show up? And then the other people were just like excited to draw it. Sure. so that they Yeah. Could try. yeah. <laughs> and so that's like one card that over like a two and a half year process barely changed. Like yeah. we don't use a D 20 in our system. So mm-hmm. like we actually use D four. Mm-hmm. 
So the actually okay. the chance went way up. It's 25% yeah. of the time it works rather than like one in 20. But yeah. we kept that card like the whole way through. And like it, it's not overpowered. It's not underpowered. It's like pretty decent at what it does. Um, but it's like this visceral experience that is per- purposefully put there for players like yourself who yeah. like to just wade into battle and just, <laughs> just wreck. And we want to give you that feeling like we want to make sure that when you fight, because we're yeah. all using the same system, we want to make sure that when you fight in melee range, you feel like you're king. Yeah. Like you cannot be beaten if the cards are in your favor. And we also want other players who like, if I'm playing the mage, every time you approach me or engage me and we get mm. close, I want to feel scared. Mm. Yeah. And I want to feel like, I need to back up. And when I'm backed up, I need to feel safe and I need to feel like, okay, now I have the high ground. Right. right? Right. And like, I start shooting at you from ranged with like magic and stuff. And so that exact thing that you just described, like we tried to make a deck for every, like we tried to capture a lot of different styles where we're like, okay, like the aggressor who just wants to run in and beat stuff up. Like what are we giving them to capitate? All right, cool. Um, the, the, you know, mechanics lover who wants to like break rules and feel like they're, you know, if the, the more they understand the game, the better they're going to do. Cool. Right. Uh, that sounds like intellect. Let's give that to the mage. So the mage has this like ability to like totally break the rules of the game, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean's thing with the, the pirate was he was like, I want a character that feels like a story. Like where I'm dancing in and out of combat and I force you to kind of like do this tango with me almost, but it's a tango of death. And and we're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, how do we capture that idea? And so the pirate has this thing where she summons um, a ghost ship and every time you move, it shoots you. So it's almost like a T-Rex, like its vision is based on movement, right? right? right. Um, but her shtick is like she forces you to dance with her. So she summons the ship and then she's like, come on, we're going to do a dance. And every time you move, like, boom, it's like blowing, it's blowing you apart. You know, that's amazing. And like (laughs) each of our decks does a very different thing in the same system, a very different thing that tells a very different story for very different players Mm -hmm. so that anyone who comes to the table, we can ask them like, you know, you even use Skyrim. Like when you play Skyrim, like what do you normally do? Like, oh, I really like like the crafty mage. All right, cool. You you're gonna like this thing, mm-hmm. you know, versus oh, I just waited and kill everything. All right, cool. You're gonna really enjoy the warrior. Right. Yeah. You it's know? really catering it to everyone's style. And you can kind of find that I feel like through like you can find examples of that in, in like so many different games. You know? Even if you go right. even if you like I don't know why I keep bringing this up, but if you go to something like Sonic. I don't know why that's on my mind today, but like you just, if you're just running through, like I'm thinking of like the original um, game Sega. for uh, Sega, Sega Genesis. Yeah. They used to play at my cousin's house all the time. And I, and I remember just being a kid playing it and just, and just running through shit and just going, just going as fast as I can, just seeing what I can do. You right. know? And I feel like there's, yeah, there's examples of that. Um, I mean, in, in a lot of different games and, and you can kind of see like, okay, well, if that's something you like, you know, we can find something for you. Like I, I like yeah. that. It's really catering to everyone. 
it's like the people who play the game for the story or the yeah. people who play the game because they're completionists mm-hmm. and they want to get yeah. that 100% flag or the speedrunner, sure, right. right? Who's yeah. like, how do I break this system? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So that I can do like these crazy things. And like they, or then to Sean's point, the professional, right? right. How do I beat other players? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and of course, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to, you're going to take the whole system. You're going to break it up into its disparate parts and you're going to find the safest, most reliable means to it that end of beating another player, right? And that's nice. like when he said, like, I'm a spike, that's really what that means. Mm. So, like, yeah. if I give you a mechanic that basically, like, makes it so that your damage always gets through and can't be blocked, for example, mm-hmm. well, okay, I've now introduced a method of quick, reliable damage, right? So what Sean's instinct is, is I'm going to just make an entire deck of those cards and I'm just going to beat you in three turns. Right. And like one of the things that makes um, our like partnership in this so great is that whenever I come up with one of those ideas, like I'm never thinking from that kind of like competitive angle. I'm always thinking from a more like, like how I play Skyrim, like I'm going to sit on the roof for three days and it's going to be great. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll have a great time. <laughs> so I introduce these mechanics and then Sean's like, whoa, 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 whoa. If you're able to do that, I can take those pieces, put it this way and just beat you every time. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I'm like, well, that wasn't fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't want to have to face that, you know? So it kind of like makes me go back to the drawing board. And then the flip side occurs, like he'll build, uh, something that is super competitive and and fun and like it's doing these awesome things but then when he brings it to me and we do a play test i'm like that's that was awesome but like what what was i like was what was i doing was i a mage like what was i and he's like oh i don't know and i'm like all right well how do we fit some flavor on here and it's like okay and we kind of we we do this like back and forth like over and over and over again and then we end up somewhere in the yeah. middle where it's like you feel competitive, you feel like, you know, the warrior can go toe to toe with the assassin, the assassin can go toe to toe with the six blade, like, but there's also this story being told at the same time, you know. Right. On your uh, website, it highlights that you could like build your own decks. So like, yeah, would arguably I be able to play as like a volcanic warrior mage if I wanted to? Yes. Yeah, I mean that sounds oh, okay. pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we have a number of um, methods of doing mm-hmm. that. Like we kept it, we kept it pretty open, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for the the way that I kind of describe it is like for people, you guys play D anD D, right? So if you take D anD D for an example, um, you can play D anD D by the book, right? Where mm-hmm. it tells you explicitly, like you're allowed to do X, Y, Z. It takes this much time. You need these spell components, like all well, this whole list of rules, right? And some people really enjoy that kind of like min-maxing within the boundaries. Like, how do I make the perfect character in these constraints, sure. right? And so we have an attribute system that allows you to do that. So, like, if you're making a level, like, let's say you and I wanted to play the game, right? You might say, like, let's make level 10 characters. Sure. Like, okay, we can do that. You could make a level 10 volcanic warrior mage. I could make a level 10 six-blade assassin, right? And then we could fight. And we would be on even footing because we agreed upon, like, what level we're going to be fighting gotcha. at, yeah. right? Um, but 
we also set it up in a way where if you um, aren't that type of player and you just kind of want to take a couple things, mix and match them and go and not really put a ton of thought into like min maxing mm -hmm. uh, while you're playing the game, the, all of the cards um, use a, the same resource system. Like they all use action sure. points is what we call it. So if you wanted to, you and I could just sit down, we could just take the volcanic warrior and the mage and just shuffle them together. And that's your deck. Sure. And I could take the assassin and the six blade, shuffle them together. And that's my deck and done. And it still works. Yeah. Like the whole system still works in that, in that way. Like it's totally, um, basically what we've done is we took resource systems, like in magic, you have, you know, different lands that you have to have in your deck that kind of like tell you what your deck mm -hmm. does and it prevents you from putting all the best cards in your deck. Right. Right. That's really the reason it's there. It, it creates like limiters. Right. Um, we've taken that and we've separated it out of the gameplay so that you do it before you play. So like in our system using attributes, you, while you're deck building, you look at the attributes and, and they kind of dictate like what cards you can include in your deck in order for your deck to be level 10 to follow that original sure. example, right? And so you do all of that while you're putting the deck together so that once you and I actually sit down to play, you don't have to think about any of that at all. You've already done that thinking. The only thing you have to focus on is right. playing. I have these cards. I'm going to play them. I have 10 action points a turn. How do I spend them? You don't have to worry about like, oh, I need one more mountain. Let me, let me search. You know, I need to find through my deck. Like what if I don't draw sure. it? Like you don't have to think about any of that stuff. It's all gone. Simplified. Um, exactly. Right. That's great. And, and, and to that point, just to, to go and reiterate the bounds to which you can play in, are up to you. You know, Michael, if you wanted to fight Ethan tonight, you know, I mean, obviously you social distance it, but um, <laughs> what ends up happening is, yeah, you can both decide, hey, I want to be, you know, of the action points, right? I, I stick with the 10 still, but let's say you have the attributes, right? Uh, on the bottom, what each deck is consists of, like the stronger cards in alignment with a certain mm -hmm. tribute. Right, but you can say, "Oh, I want to have at most between um, all of this deck, ten, twenty, thirty attribute point like attribute spent, and I want to have on for our assets the little gold coin, mm -hmm. right? I want to only come into the to the the fight with sixty, you know, sixty asset points, sixty gold worth, you know, twenty gold worth. You can make those numbers expand and contract as you right. need." to go and fit however you both want to do it. And if you guys both agree to the terms ahead of time, then mm -hmm. you should be fighting on evil, even footing. It's, it's, I don't know if you're familiar with Warhammer, right? That, that mm. whole universe, that's a very good analogy for how, how you bring things to the okay. fight. Yeah. Right. That was you're, another, that's an inspiration, yeah. like another game yeah. talking about yeah. inspirations, right. Uh, is exactly what he's saying. Warhammer, mm -hmm. like in Warhammer, you're like, Hey, let's, we have two armies. They're what, what's your point value oh i have a thousand point yeah. army cool right. like now i know my balance right 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 and that's exactly how we approached deck building we're like you do all of that ahead of time mm -hmm. so that when we sit down to actually fight it's already been done yeah. 
and we don't have to worry about it. That's awesome that you guys are able to customize this on such like a, a minuscule level where like, hey, we're going to play this style. We're going to uh, play against each other in this type of uh, element. Like, that's very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And Sean, Sean's going to get mad at me for saying this, but um, the <laughs> my real secret agenda in like, because when we were like making this game, like we didn't really, ha- we didn't have to go to th- those lengths. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we didn't have to spend the extra time to make sure that it was configurable and like customizable to that extent. But uh, the kind of secret agenda behind all that is eventually in the future, I want us to be able to put out a PVE in a way where we can all sit down at the table and like Michael, Ethan, and Sean, like the three of you can be my player characters and you mm-hmm. each start at level one and you have very small decks with very like minuscule amount of like items and cards. Right. And we can play like basically D and D. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And when you level up, I can say, okay, now you're level two. What attribute are you gaining? Right. Oh, I'm going to gain another another level of aggression. Cool. Now you're able to put shield sphere into your deck because that requires level two aggression, right? And like, because it's built in that way, you could play out like a campaign style gaming session with your friends, sure. but using cards. And at that point, I will have uh, a... Um, achieved my 12 year old's dream of cool in between sessions why don't we take our characters and fight right we can do that because now after the session i can just take my deck that i've been using to play dnd i can scoop them all together and i can say ethan let's go one-on-one get your warrior out i want to try to assassinate (laughs) and we can just and we can just do it that's incredible and and it's awesome one little addendum to that is, is yeah. um, I love, so I'm, I'm glad we tipped our hats at, at the PVE uh, in here. Cause I didn't, I, it's one of those things that I'm always, I'm hesitant. Do we bring it up to the public? Do we not bring it up to the public? You know, what do we, do we show that far in the future? But one of the things I'll say is I personally love PVE. And the reason why I love PVE is because it's less competitive in my, in my mm-hmm. estimation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second part is you get more people involved. You get like, um, a one-on-one is always fine. You know, that's, that's a good small form factor for, for, for mm-hmm. things. Sure. But where I find I have the most fun in, in board game, card game, gaming settings is when I can go and get, you know, four plus people involved in, in, in it and really have an intertwined story. You know, one yeah. of the, my big complaints online uh, for, for right now, cause all, all of us are doing online gaming um, mm-hmm. is that five people, seems to be the maximum these days and 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 that to me is is stifling how many people yeah. i can get together to tell this shared narrative so right. i'm all and i we love the pve aspects of it um we love it for you know, slightly different reasons um but i think the more people the better the story i think also less competitive overall for for a you're not going to be going for each other's throats yeah. Right. Now that makes a lot of sense. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, um, jump back to the actual, because we, we were saying before, when you start out, when you're play testing, you're drawing stick figures. How did you guys <laughs> go about yeah. once you've <laughs> confirmed, all right, this is a good card, we're going to move on with this card. 
how did you go about getting that artwork for it? Mm. Oh, okay, so I'll start this one and I'll, I'll give it off to Ant because Ant is the one who who is like he reaches out to everyone for us. Um, but I'll start it off because I, I want to talk about how we get the vision mm-hmm. for these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that we do is is specifically you heard Ant mention, and this is probably the, one of the best um, two examples is is the Death Pirates waltz right the tango actually um so what happened is for that i had in 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 my mind a very specific um scene from uh antonio banderas dancing in uh what's it called Um, no 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 not mascazor it's the one where he's the dance instructor and he goes to the inner city Um, i I know what you're talking about but the name is escaping me oh Uh, yeah it's i'm I, gonna i'm gonna find out but keep going <laughs> okay so anyway so i had this scene in there because i loved how they have a really strong tango um i think it's an argentinian tango um that, that goes on in there and antonio banderas just knocks it out it's it's like central but it's also like um strong uh, overall just kind of a, a a good intertwining and i envisioned this um, on a beach, right? Mm. Just, just, I, I, and, and kind of, that's where all the cannon fire came from is, is on the beach kind of fighting against a horde of, 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 of the enemies and um, kind of just dancing around mm-hmm. that vision that was in my head. I had to go. And first we, we had this pirate idea, right? What mm-hmm. would be cool? What do we want to do as the pirate? And in my head, that was one of the things I said, Oh yes, I kind of want to do this. I told aunt this, um, and Ant's like, this sounds baller. Like, yeah. I'm going to go and, and reach out immediately to, to our artist. Um, and I'm going to go and try to, to uh, get it, you know, done. Because we, we, when we picked the artist, you know, you, you, you troll around on ArtStation on all these different forums. We would then go and kind of pick artists that we, we jointly agreed. Um, Ant would go and find a, a bunch usually, and he would just uh, funnel them over. And then I would go and I'd look at them and I'd be like, well, I think this one's style works for this type of art, which works for this type of imagery. And I think we're going for that for this type of character. Um, and Ant would be like, well, I think no, you know, I think maybe yes. He'd also go and, and do the same uh, exercise that I was going through. But once we agreed to it, and once we kind of had this vision of what we wanted, we'd go and would send a a, 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 um, a grouping to the artist and then see what they come back with and try to work toward that way. The other one I want to describe is um, the ultimate of the Cosmic Mage, uh, the Continuum Blade. Uh, that one, um, I actually drew, a, 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 that one's probably one of the only few that I drew a sketch for, right? And then I sent it off to, to Ant, so that way he mm-hmm. would send it to, to the artist. Um, and Ant went and he saw it. He's like, I like this. Um, I, I, I think what we can do is, is, and he said, I think I can add hands of a clock in there. Like he, he went and he, he added a bunch of stuff to the base image, which was kind of like a stick figure with a bunch of satellites, planets whirling around the stick figure in a, uh, a more Arabic Arabian setting. Um, and he just added the hands of the clock, like he nailed it. And then he went and he, he told the artist and then the artist took it even further. And so through these iterations, it just came to fruition. Um, so we, we have an idea of what we want to do is, is what it boils down to. We then have to select an artist that we feel what would represent that card correctly. Uh, yeah. And then we have to go and give the artist kind of a general feel for it. And then, 
on that aspect, I'm going to, I'm going to toss it off to Ant to let him explain. Cause he goes back and forth with the artist. We only want a single point of contact. We don't want both people screaming at the artist, right. you know, single point yeah. of contact. And um, he, he'll handle with the artist and just talk with them, work through. And then they send us sketches and then we both review the sketches and then single point of contact goes right back to the artist. So with that mm-hmm. Ant, go take it away. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, honestly, like the hardest the hardest part of the whole thing was commissioning art for a game that doesn't exist. Mm. Right. Because yeah. like Varia is very much like a, a new take on an old genre, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's a trading card game, but it doesn't play like any other trading card games. So we couldn't just like commission it the same way you would commission Hearthstone or, or magic or something like it needed to feel different and, um distinct right and a lot of the artists that we reached out to were people who like didn't have um you know artwork on their on their profiles that that was like i mean hell even like fantasy based like you know Mm -hmm. some of them were just artists they were doing like surrealism or like romanticism or just whatever you know like and um it was more looking for uh, like art that would fit the narrative right Mm -hmm. that we were trying to tell which is this like first person fight like first person fighting experience um so it was a lot of just like long nights on art station just like finding people whose style a actually kind of like fit what we were trying to do but b that they were um good enough at creating like clear concise images because you got to remember too that these images are shrunk down to like one and a half inches by two and a half inches and then printed Mm -hmm. right so they can't like it can't be like hyper detail because the detail gets lost in the printer it can't be um you know too dark or too muddy because when you print it it just looks like a blob like like it needs to it needs to pop visually it needs to be there have to be like hard edges you know like there are all these requirements for like a trading card image to work. And so just finding artists that met that criteria was like, you know, its own kind of hurdle. Right. Right. But from there it's like, and this stems back to like, I I used to be a, I would write names and flavor text. I used to work for wizards and I would write names and flavor text for magic. And one thing that I found was that anytime that my, um, creative director gave us freed enough freedom where I felt like I had some autonomy and I could really kind of like get into the head of the character and write from their perspective and just be creative. Mm-hmm. I would do a lot better work than when I had a director who was like, you need to do X, Y, Z. And if you don't do those things, then I won't accept right. it. Right. And I felt very much in a box and I felt like, why don't you just write it? Like you obviously know what you want. Yeah. Like you right. do it. So there's, there's this like dance, if you will, where like once you find the right artist who you think can, can deliver what you're looking for, you have to give them just enough information that they do what you're, what you want, but yeah. they do it in their way. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, like, for example, um, Elliot, well, Laura, 
I believe she pronounced her last name uh, Wiener. I think it's Laura Wiener. Um, she's the artist who did our Pirates Ultimate Redcoats Revenge, which okay. is this uh, dance uh, of, you know, being on the beach, she's, she's forcing you to dance with her and her ship is shooting at you, right? Um, but it's also meant to be a very serious move because in a lot of the, the Pirates um, artwork, uh, she's smiling and she's confident and she's our charismatic character. So she's meant to create this or evoke this narrative of like cool confidence who, you know, can convince you to do things that you don't really want right. to do. Right. Um, and this ultimate is supposed to represent like when she has her back to the wall, she does this. Mm. And so she becomes very serious and is like, I have identified you to be a threat worth spending this very valuable magic on right and so i basically i rather than tell the artist like i need you to paint a pirate dancing on the beach with cannon fire blah 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 like being very mm -hmm. literal i just explained to her i was like look this is our character this is who she is this is how she typically fights this is what the ultimate represents like this is her kind of like final move uh, when she finds you to be a threat. And so she's, the artist sent us these other two sketches that more kind of matched the dance thing aspect. But then she also, because she had the freedom to kind of like be creative, she's yes. like, what if in this image, the pirate has you at sword point and it's a first person shot where like when you're looking at the art, she's pointing the sword at the camera and she has a very serious look on her face. And it's almost as if like she's got a knife to your throat and she's saying dance. Mm. Like, like, and it has, it has that same kind of vibe of like, you know, in like Westerns when they're like dance and they like shoot at your right. feet and you're like, ah, right. you know, right, right. like she's, she's kind of like doing that. She's, she's like saying like, like dance, like walk the plank basically. And she puts you in this position where you you know you don't want to move because that ship's going to shoot you and you will lose the game. But she has you in a corner and is like forcing you to walk away. Right. And like, that's not what I had envisioned. It's not what Sean had envisioned. But when we saw the sketch, I was like, dude, you have to look at this one. Like, I know it's not dancing, but but just look at this. And I, and I showed it to him and he's like, that's it. Like, that's the one. Like, that we want to go and it wasn't his idea it wasn't my idea it was the artist's right. idea right you know and she, like yeah we only get those when we give them the freedom to d give us those you know if we're right. too literal like that those images never right. happen right because it becomes a collaboration really you right know? exactly yeah that's awesome that um, you and were I, able to get that feedback and work with uh, your artists like that yeah, I, I mean, it, and it was like a huge learning experience because, like, we've never done art direction before, mm. you know. And right. I honestly think, like, the biggest lesson that I took away from it was because there were other times where I was very literal because I don't know, you know, we don't know what we're doing and we're trying to to, to figure out what works for us, right, and, and for our game. And I think one of the biggest lessons I took away from that first like set is that um, anytime that we can, we can give the artist freedom like 
to where like obviously within reason because we don't want them to just give us random stuff that doesn't make any sense right but when we can give them that freedom to like express what they think fits we end up getting better results oh yeah absolutely like like unbelievably cool imagery like some of our artists like just totally knocked things out of the park like i would never would have even thought to like ask for some of this stuff like we have this one card um it's called guided strike and the the like when i sent the description to the artist like it couldn't have been more simple i was like look this is a paladin um he his he summons these like light weapons he he basically his weapon is a stick right like this is how we talked about it in playtesting his weapon is a stick but his faith is so strong that he believes that when he goes in the battle his goddess will transform that stick into the exact weapon he needs mm. at the time whether it be a long sword or a heavy mace or whatever right um and so i just i said to the artist i was like look man like this paladin he carries a stick in the battle um his his goddess is is always with him and he believes that she's going to provide what he needs right and uh i was like in his armor he has the goddess's face over his shoulder and it's supposed to evoke this idea of like someone who's looking over your shoulder you know like she's always there with him you know like watching what he does make sure he's safe and that was it that was like all the direction i gave him i was like so just show the the paladin who's using his light magic to turn his stick into like something cool, like a mace or a sword or something. Right. That was it. (laughs) (laughs) Super simple. Right. And so he, he came back with this idea of like, um, the goddess is like, like he's like the paladins like in the surf and he's like fighting and like his goddess is like manifesting like literally we see her like over his shoulder like almost whispering into his ear but he's super focused on like what's being summoned so he doesn't even notice that she's there so like we the viewer get to see the literal representation of like what he's experiencing you know and it and it just created this like crazy image that is both like like it looks powerful and badass. Like it looks like a cool move that I would want to do in like a video game or something. But at the same time, it's like super intimate because there's this like, like ghostly, you know, divine light woman, like whispering into this like warrior's ear. And it just creates this like very um, personal relationship between like paladin and goddess. And like, we didn't ask for any of those things at all (laughs) you know we were like just show a dude making a cool light weapon done like and we just let because that artist had already proven to us in other pieces that they were capable of having that much freedom and delivering something awesome right Right. and so we trusted that artist to like like dude we know you're gonna kill it like Mm -hmm. as long as you represent the card which is just my stick becomes an attack and I talk <laughs> you with it. Like, that's it. Yeah, like, know. as long as that is there, do whatever else you want. <laughs> yeah. You and know, one thing I want to addendum on that is 
um, like what ends up happening is there just so you, you guys don't think, oh, hey, you know, we have no um, con- continuity between the, 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 the sketches. What happens is there's for a lot of times you go and you give the artist something immediately off the bat that doesn't have to have continuity. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Something that doesn't have to have, um, you know, if it's like the paladin, for example, for that art piece, um, there is a style sheet that goes with it that 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 has some uh, that way they can get the look and feel as Ant was alluding to. But it's not like significant. Right. It just gives them that look and feel. So there is that continuity. But you end up with a sandboxing type thing where you you test um, you can test the artist's on characters and and you can just give them very general Mm -hmm. outlines of what you kind of are looking for, what action you're looking for and let them design their own character on cards that aren't specifically um, tied to a character. Mm -hmm. And that allows you to then kind of judge, you know, a a little more to go and get them into where you feel like the continuity belt would be for, for main um, pieces for, for the main characters names, like for the main characters. Um, so that way you don't just go and throw them and, and all of a sudden they give you a paladin that's wearing red armor and and like has a mohawk, you know, you want to make sure that they have some continuity between it. Um, mm-hmm. But then for the actual action and for the actual art piece, there is that freedom that Ant's talking about. Um, yeah. The last thing that I do want to addendum and I, Ant brought it up a little bit, I, I, but I want to highlight it here is that because our game is very much first person, because it's very much. Um, like you're in the thick of things. The, mm-hmm. It's not the actual. Um, it's not the actual minion, the person that's that's that was really the focal point of your art. It's the action, and so you're looking for things that really convey the action, mm-hmm. the thing that is there um, for ninety percent of the pieces. Um, that's what you're looking for. You're not looking for the. The, 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 the person per se, the person it has to be doing something because that something is what you're trying to convey to your, your person who is playing the game. Um, hmm. So that's, that's a difference. Whereas there might be in other games, oh, I have a Murloc, a minion that's a Murloc. And they just draw a little Murloc. And it really doesn't matter what the Murloc's doing. He can just be standing in a pose. Um, a lot of our stuff, you can't just have the mm-hmm. pose. You have to have the action. Right. So. Yeah. Our my my favorite kind of like thing that we we realized early on was like, um, the majority of our imagery comes from one of two stances. It's either uh, you're the player doing the thing. Um, and so for you know for example, uh, shield spear, right shield spheres artwork is just like a random dude getting nailed in the chest with like a flaming chaos spear right and so when you play that card you you feel like i threw this spear into that opponent like it feels Mm -hmm. like a first person Mm -hmm. image you know like like my eyes looking at this image is me the warrior looking at the thing that i created Um, The other way that we tried to approach stuff like on the card in Rage to just keep with the Volcanic Warrior is this idea of I'm the opponent and I'm looking at a warrior who is enraging. Mm -hmm. So that sometimes when I, when I, as I'm playing, when I play a card, it makes me the player of the deck immersed because it's first person for me. Um, but we also tried to consider the opponent across the table when the opponent plays in rage, 
we want the opponent to look at that and feel like they're standing on a battlefield looking at a warrior who just enraged. Right. Yeah. right? And so one of the tricky things is like for each card, we have to think about like who is the narrative more important for the player of the card or the one experiencing the card being played on them. So like decapitate, we took from the standpoint of the player who's about to get decapitated. Yeah. So in that artwork, it shows a warrior just knocking the head off of somebody. And mm -hmm. so it puts that fear in you, the other player, because as the warrior, you already know decapitates in your deck. You already know what mm -hmm. it does. You're already excited to play it. So you don't need the art to then also be first person. You're already immersed in that card. Yeah. So when it hits the table and you've never seen it before as the other player and you see somebody's head getting knocked off, it makes you scared. Right. You're like, whoa, you know, like what, what is that? Like, should I be near this character right now? You know? Um, and so it's, it's purposefully done in that way versus shield spear is one more where we want to create this narrative of, so for the volcanic warrior, it's all about aggression, aggression, aggression. Right. right. And what's more aggressive than taking your blocks and just discarding them. Like, I don't even need to block. I'm just going to punch more. Right. You know? Right. So shield spear <laughs> is like a very mechanics heavy card because it's an attack that lets yeah. you literally take a block in your hand and get rid of it for yeah. an aggressive bonus. Mm. Right. right. Okay. So we, we did the art of that card from a very first person view of your yeah. pitching a block at somebody to deal damage. You know, like we want to help you get further immersed into the game through the art of that card. So there's, we constantly have to like ask each other, like what, what, who should be the, the audience of this image? Is it me right. the player or is it my right. opponent? Because that's going to dictate like a, a lot of what we ask for. Totally. Oh, that it, it's just amazing. Like, these like what you're describing like the the amount of thought that goes into it is just it's so admirable because yeah. like not because it really it really does make a lot of sense but it's like something that like i would have never like i would have never even considered any of that you know to think about like who's like on the receiving end of like the artwork really mm -hmm. you know yeah. um but it makes such a big difference totally. yeah. so um my question is, what is next for uh, Varya and uh, Guildhouse Games? Yeah. Uh, what, <laughs> yeah. Any new decks coming out, new items, etc. So, um, Ant already alluded to, and and I think that we can talk that um, we're we're shooting for right. a PVE. Whether or not mm -hmm. it's it's you know, I, I don't see it this year. To be very very blunt with you, the way mm -hmm. things are going with everything, because yeah. we haven't been able to even. Um, due to the way because we're structured in pa both of us right the company mm -hmm. is based in pa um mm -hmm. and board games are not exactly considered essential card games right. are not considered essential life sustaining so we've been we've been pushing things out um our our, our goal hopefully maybe in, in the near, near future in the next year ish um would be to go and to have some type of pve elements that way a part of product for that but we are still going to try to um, regardless of how things um, are going, I'll, I'll put it like that. Mm -hmm. With with uh, with um, to try to keep going and developing mm -hmm. decks, um, so that way at least there's some additional 
card pool out there that that it exists. Um, and so we are shooting for additional decks um, this year, early next year, into next right. year. Um, so that way you have more classes to play. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. One I think of, that's a good way to start. One of our, um, yeah, no, that's great, honestly. Um, one of our other kind of angles that we took in, in making this game too was that like um, training card games are expensive. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, especially when they're collectible. And yeah. so one thing that just drives it drives me bananas, like it drives me up the wall, is the fact that like if you want to be competitive in a trading card game, you got to be ready to drop like two hundred and fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. And so like, Jeez, they're, yeah. they're it's already hard. It's already a hurdle to like like let's say I'm really into a card game and I really want my friend who I think would enjoy it to get into this card game. Why? Because then we can play against each other, right? But it's that's already hard because you have to introduce a game to somebody, you have to teach it to them, they have to like mm-hmm. it. Like there's a lot of stuff that has to happen and go mm-hmm. right in order for me to convince my friend to play this game with me, right? Once that happens, now we're in a weird spot because I let's say I've been collecting and playing this game for five years, right? And mm-hmm. you have never bought this game before. All of my decks are going to outclass you sure. mm-hmm. until you spend a lot of money. Yeah. Right. And so that always bothered me because then one of two things happens. Either I'm constantly beating you and you're forced to spend a bunch of money and you might feel bad about it, or I have to play down to your mm-hmm. level in terms of cards that I include in my deck, in which case I feel like I'm playing a watered down version of the game that I really love. Right. So neither one of us is happy. Right. So what, what we sought to do right out of the gate was we want to offer a format that is like as inclusive and open as possible to new players, but is also interesting for existing players. And so the, the, idea that we came up with is inspired by games like Heroes of the Storm and League of Legends. And that format is out of the box. And so the, the idea and the thing that Sean and I like constantly talked about, like as a vision for the product, as we were working on it was you walk to your local game store, you see a bunch of people playing. You're like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Like, Oh, we're having a Varia tournament tonight. Cool. Like, do you want to play? Sure. Go pick your class. And you walk over to the counter and there's a bunch of classes there. There's a you know, warrior, mage, assassin, whatever. You take that box. You say, tonight I want to be an assassin. You pay 20 bucks. You're done. You, you now have enough to not only play the game, but play the game competitively. That's awesome. Like, you don't have to spend $200. Yeah. You're done. Yeah. Like, you're, you're now able to play, right? And so our out-of-the-box format is very much like we release classes in the same way that, like, for Heroes of the Storm, like, oh, Thrall's coming out. How's he going to change up the meta? Like, oh, they just released Jaina. Like, what does she do, you know? Mm -hmm. We want to constantly be pushing out just, like, one new class. Like, hey, here's, you know, a ranger. Mm -hmm. Like, try it out, you know? And not only would it be balanced against the other classes that already exist 
but it would offer a slightly different play style. So it keeps it fresh for the existing players to maybe they have all seven classes and they're ready for mm -hmm. something new, right? right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it keeps it interesting for new players because there's always a point of entry where you don't have to drop a lot of coin and you can go into it knowing that um, in terms of cards, like obviously if you're a more skilled player, there's that skill cap of like, I'll probably beat you more often just because I know what I'm right. doing. But yeah. our relative power level of the decks themselves are equal. That's great. Yeah. And so right. like, like there's no difference. Like when you play Overwatch, Genji and Hanzo. Yeah, some people yell, Genji's OP, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 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 like maybe that's true, but maybe you're just bad at fighting Genji. Like who knows, right? But at the end of the day, like they try to keep each of those characters relatively in the same power level mm -hmm. as each other, right? Yeah. And so that's one angle that we're taking. And so to Sean's point, what we absolutely want to do by the end of the year is put out a new class Mm -hmm. so that we can kind of start introducing that idea to our sure. players and our fans so that right. they can start to expect like, hey, what are the new classes that are going to slowly roll out over this year? Right. What's going right. to come out? What's going to be available? You know, um, so that's like the straightforward kind of like constant expansion direction that we would like to go. Just like mm -hmm. every so often, new class, new class, new class, right? Right in terms of like overall game expansion again to sean's point the other thing we want to do is start thinking about hey what are other ways that we can play this game other than just 1v1 well right. let's explore pve what would that look like you know mm -hmm. do we want to have you know three person versus a dm do we want to have 1v1 pve where one player is like the dungeon and the other player is mm. the adventurer and they kind of like face off against each other um you know like like what are what what other directions can we go using this same system that's awesome yeah you know yeah and 2v2 3v3 anything like that is part right. of those type of things those evolve right. from it um mm -hmm. so yeah exactly Definitely. all right well so yeah, yeah. That's awesome, Definitely. guys. Where can people find you guys, and how can they become part of the guild? <laughs> uh, so definitely sign up for the, the newsletter um, on, on guildhousegamesllc.com. Um, you can go to guildhousegamesllc.com slash varia, V-A-R-I-A, uh, to go and actually uh, pick up the product. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a few... If you're if you're a Florida guy, there is a, um, a shop down in Florida. If you're local, we we are working around local areas. Um, but yeah, you can go to your local card game store uh, and try to go and pick us up in shelves if if, uh, if they are carrying us. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So the easiest right now, the the easiest way to to get the game would be to go to our website, right? Yeah. But one thing that we really want to do is keep working with our local game stores. Of course, um, but we're Philadelphia based, right? Right. Um, we have a, a few stores in our area that um, carry our product, so you can go there and get it. If you would like to support your game store, go to the store and ask them to contact us. We will sell our product to your store at a discount so that you get it from your store at the same price that you could get it from us. Very cool. We are it's happy very to nice of you guys. We That's are great. more than happy to take that loss 
to mm-hmm. support growing in local game stores because we think that that community as gamers ourselves and as mm-hmm. you know people who love to support our local stores we mm-hmm. want to make sure that as a company we do Amazing. that yeah. so that's great if you would like to get varia and your local game store doesn't cover it 100 percent. just have them reach out to us and and let them know like we'll work with them to make sure that you know you're getting it from them for the same cost to you the player right um that said uh we also offer it online on our store um so you can go there if you would like terrific to pick it up if you find a class that you're interested in um we also offer uh a couple demos on our site we have a demo that you can print out and play um if you want to do it that way if you happen to have a tabletop simulator which is like a pretty a common, well-known game on Steam. Uh, we offer a couple of um, decks that you can download and just like trial on Tabletop Simulator if you want. If you want to do it that way, because again, social distancing, like we're not advocating for you to buy our game and then go find people right. and play with them. Like obviously, <laughs> don't do yeah. that right now. Like you know, stay inside, yeah. stay healthy. Um, but yes. also, like if you just want to like interact with us and our community more, like definitely sign up for our newsletter. You can do that through our website. We have a discord uh, mm-hmm. where we talk about Vario. We play games. We play over discord. Uh, nice. Last night, a couple of, a uh, couple guys played a match of divine paladin versus uh, death pirate and the death pirate got off like a six die, like skullduggery attack that dealt like 21 <laughs> damage. And it turns crazy. Like, because they, they put it in chat and they use the chat like yeah. to roll dice, like virtually. Because we have a we have a, a um a bot called the Dice Maiden that uh you know like lets you roll dice, and it, it was like cool. I wasn't even playing; I was just kind of like reading along, and I was like, oh my god, like this is this is like nuts. Like yeah. it was like reading a transcript of like a like an MMA fight or something, and then all of a sudden they like, oh my god, roundhouse kick like TKO, and I was like, oh! like what? This is nuts, but um you can like join our discord like follow us on twitter um yeah twitter one's good like all this is on our website like we're you know there we try to create as many different avenues as possible like if you want to interact with us or our community like 100 percent uh we can do that but i cannot trust enough like if you want to buy this game from your local store we will work with you and with your store to make sure that they are not only involved, but that you don't suffer as yeah. a player. Like that's that's fantastic. I love that. And last note, uh, just want to also add um, that we will be at a few different conventions this year. I know that all of them yeah. have basically been rescheduled. Um, yeah. And and to Ant's point, if there is a like, if we have an event like we had a uh, an event going on at Carl's Games Keep over in Westchester that was slated to go in in the end of March, unfortunately mm-hmm. due to everything that's going on i don't know when or if we'll be able to reschedule but if there is a local game store that picks us up we will advertise it like which ones we're going to be at and it'll be ant and me at the store if you want to play against the creators come on out amazing you know, it'll say yeah. it there yeah that's a, yeah, that's that's, that's another good point like um we're philadelphia based and so like uh, and i i'm making an assumption now based on where you guys are are out mm-hmm. of like out of new york right but mm-hmm. we're local mm-hmm. to each other yes so if and i'm assuming that like your audience is also local to our area mm-hmm. like 
so the tri-state area like philadelphia new york like you know delaware like any of anywhere jersey right mm-hmm. um if you subscribe to like our newsletter and stuff and you want to come out to like a local event like please do that or like if you want to have um you know like Avaria night at your local game store like we'll 100 percent work with you to like set that up you know and and to sean's point we'll come out and like we'll beat the pants <laughs> off you because we've been playing <laughs> for like six, six years now you know like yeah so the intimidate them too much but yes, yeah. yes we, <laughs> but, you know if you want to challenge come off <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> i'm not gonna pull yeah. punches you know amazing it was pretty so talking about the discord this is a little side but the other night uh sean and i we were on the discord and and i was playing against sean's cousin it was the first time his cousin's ever playing the game oh i'm just laying into him i i was on messaged me on the side he's like i thought you'd go easy on him i was like screw that man yeah, he, <laughs> he was like he had no clue hadn't played our demo at all he was just kind of rolling with it that's I was, how I was you learn and that's we how we're just it was just if you if you look at the card right um the 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 one that's made, made by bike burns right um on it it's just this guy wailing hopes crushed dreams crushed you know face crushed that's exactly the the thing that was going on with my cousin it was just it was mauling the poor guy yeah but afterwards <laughs> afterwards his cousin was like yo how, how do teach me how to do yeah. that like how do i do that you yeah know? Yeah, it turns into a whole community kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's oh. great. Yeah, yeah. Once everything like you know gets back to, I don't want to say normal, but some sort of yeah. normalcy, yeah. you know, definitely have to start you know doing something like that, collaborating and getting either with local game stores or really wherever yeah. you know. And there's going to be a lot of people in need of of such events like that, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, just just. You know, just for Absolutely. society, <laughs> just right. to be, yeah, just, just to do something, just to be close yeah, to people. Definitely. So, and, so that's and, great. And like, and the the best part is that, like, it's affordable because, like, obviously, yeah. a lot of us are in a situation right now where, like, disposable income isn't really a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, right. we yeah. can't. Um, yeah. But if you, you know, if you want to get out and like do something different again, once it's safe to do so, um, you know, barrier to entries you know less than 20 dollars like that's great. that's that's really what we're aiming for because uh, again like uh, if we ever get to the point where you know it costs 200 dollars to like pick up a deck mm-hmm. like we've yeah. failed like i <laughs> yeah. i will feel like we have failed because yeah. that's not something that i think is necessary a but b like as a gamer myself like i would not want to play that game like I just, right. I wouldn't, you know, it's, it's, in, it's crazy. Yeah. Exciting things coming. Uh, yeah. We cannot thank you guys enough for. Yeah. This was amazing guys. Coming on. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you guys. Uh, I'm going to do it. a little bit of uh, housekeeping. This time I brought, I pulled it up cause I couldn't remember what I was you always said in the past. If you like this episode of the Pondro Section, please consider leaving us a review on your podcast player. Follow us on the social medias, Facebook, Twitters, Instagrams, type, the poncho section and, and look for Headley the duck do you want to support the poncho section and show that support well get yourself some poncho section merch we got t-shirts tank tops sweatshirts hoodies phone cases art prints stickers and mugs just go to the section.com scroll down to the bottom and click merch and finally if you want to be featured on an episode of the poncho section send a voice memo to section.com and we'll play it in an upcoming episode 
bring just bringing back awesome. that uh, that announcer voice. <laughs> I also, you know, we should throw in one more plug for our friends in LA for oh for yeah, Happy Nuts. Yeah, we got uh, friends in LA uh, who uh, make a uh, instead of using uh, like gold bond powder or something like that, use Happy Nuts. It all it applies as a uh, as a cream, dries as a powder, and uh, leaves you feeling good. Leaves and you not you can, happy. It makes you. Yeah, it absolutely <laughs> does. And you guys can you can find those guys um, on Amazon. Yeah, very easy. Um, so please, yeah. please support and them. And of course, everybody listening, please check out Guildhouse Games. Check out the game Varia. Play it. Have a great time. Stay safe. Yes. Stay safe. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, guys. Peace.